0: Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. And I think that this is a very current topic. It is something that is uh, a lot, uh, where there's a lot of confusion and a lot of stuff that goes around that that, um, causes people to struggle with um, their emotions and lately what I found is that previously maybe about two years ago um, mental health was a buzzword right you know mental health we're talking about all the time I'm sensing that emotional health is actually something that is becoming more and more prevalent in the way that people talk people use it somewhat interchangeably it is more or less in my opinion interchangeable the way that people use it I'm not talking about the technical definition uh, but just in the sense of the way that people talk about mental and emotional health is about Kind of the same kind of thing that people are trying to say and i believe that god has a lot to say about this and um, my pet passion is psychology i studied this uh, a lifetime ago and i continue to study lots of it because i think it's so good what i like about psychology some of you are like why did i come to church to hear this guy talk about psychology it's because psychology is basically like any other sciences It is discovering patterns is discovering the design or the way that us as human beings work and the world that we live in and how that works and i believe that all of these things when it's uncovered is uncovering god's design and so psychology can be extremely helpful for helping us understand ourselves and linking it into the bible and we can see how god has designed us and what god is trying to do in us and um just, just to put it out there, uh, the, our Bible was written by human beings under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and some of these books were written, well, most of them are written around 2,000 years ago, if not further behind. And we did not have the language that we do of psychology. We do not have the language of the sciences. We do not have the language of the culture that that was produced over time. And so when we look in the Bible, do you find emotional health? No, because no one was talking about emotional health 3,000 years ago. They were talking about physical health because that was the Black Plague and all that kind of... I don't know when the Black Plague came. I'm not a historian. I'm a psychologist slash theologian. I should not call myself a psychologist. I am not a psychologist. I'm a person who has studied psychology. Anyway, so I believe that there's a lot of intersection. And uh, that's what I'm hoping to do over this next uh, four weeks to bring you some truths that are going to help you with your emotional health, untangling emotions. Well, this week I had a... um, uh, you can see my whiteboard is out. I'm very excited to to teach this morning, um, and you know this week I caught up with my psychologist, and over the last couple of um, sessions, we have been talking about something that I discovered about myself about a year, uh, more like nine months ago. I discovered that I am not very good at experiencing hurt, feeling hurt, and and. In my line of work, it is actually quite dangerous not to know when I'm hurt. You know, if you can imagine that that leprosy, for example, can cause a person not to feel pain. Um, And so when they don't feel pain and their arms are in a fire, they could completely burn their whole arm off without knowing it because they don't feel the pain. And on an emotional level, I think I was a bit of an emotionally leprous person where I did not feel I did not feel hurt, and I kind of continued on in life. But what I discovered is that there was one particular situation that awoken me to this this condition in myself, I guess. And uh, I I went through a relationally difficult situation just over a year ago. And I thought that, yeah, you know, I had closed the book on it. I had dealt with all the issues and all that had happened. But then I did not realize six months later that I realized I was hurt. I was making decisions out of that hurt, I was making decisions um, to do with other people based on what was happening, what had happened, sorry, with another person. And this hurt manifested itself in my future and can continue to manifest itself in my future because I did not deal with the hurt in the first place. And so I went to my psych and I said, I don't feel hurt. There is something wrong with me. And uh, we talked about the situation and she pulled some stuff out. And then we did an exercise. And she got me, and you can do this in your time. It's kind of an interesting exercise. Um, if you start completely bawling your eyes out, stop and go find a real psychologist. Um, but what she did is that she got me to draw a circle. Um, and she said, okay, so inside this circle, this is why I bought, can you guys see it? In this circle is the Are the emotions that you are comfortable with comfortable with feeling comfortable with expressing outside the circle is what you're not comfortable with and then she got me um uh, she started to throw certain emotions out at me and the first part of it was that i start i was supposed to categorize these based on growing up what i thought when i thought back to my childhood uh, my my teenage years and all of that what are some emotions that were in here, what were out there? And then so she would say stuff like happy. Okay. I was like, I, I think I can handle happiness. I think I'm comfortable with feeling happy and expressing that I'm happy. Not such a big issue. And then we uh, and then she threw another one out. I think it was sadness. I was like, oh, okay, sadness. Now, she told me there was only two categories, but I'm the way that I am. And so I, I put some stuff on the line because it's just the way that I am. Uh, there was sadness, and then there was... Um, Things like shame, and then um, there was an interesting one. She said, "Care, care is not really an emotion, but well, we put care in there." Uh, disappointment, and then um, and then from there, then, then we disappointed. That's what it says. Um, and then she said, "Okay, now switch." And then she gave me another pen. And then she said, "Now think about these same emotions and where you're at right now." What are you okay with? You draw a line under the ones that you think that you're still maybe about the same. It's like, okay, that's about the same. Um, and then, um, yeah, I think that was about the same. I was like, maybe that's a little bit closer. Uh, that maybe, yeah, that can kind of go in a little bit and, and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and we did this exercise and I looked at this piece of paper and I looked at all these emotion words and, and there was something that was quite interesting to me that my psychologists did not give any value judgments on any of these emotions we we just talked about them we talked about them as though they were neutral things and it was a little bit strange to me because i think quite often when we look at these emotions we have a value judgment about these emotions we immediately go happy is a good emotion happy is good we want happy sad no oh sad you don't want sad No, she just talked about whether you were comfortable with it or not. She didn't talk about whether it was necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. And that kind of made me think about emotions. And I have been on this journey. This is just a recent example of what God has been unpacking for me. But I started to think about how I relate to emotions and i started to see that i had a lot of wrong understandings about emotions i had all these value judgments around it i had all of these ways of dealing with it and in particular i could see that for myself there were a lot of emotions that i simply suppressed and did not want to know about in me and that as i've already explained led me to a lot of issues but i think that there are things that we need to understand about emotions. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk practically about dealing with emotions, but today I want to talk about what are emotions. I want to give you three truths about emotions that I believe are going to greatly help you understand yourself and understand your emotions. Are you ready for it? Three truths about emotions. Number one, turn to the person next to you and say, number one, wake them up if they're sleeping. Number one, the first thing that you need to know about emotions is that they are created by God. Emotions are created by God. Now, you might think that that's a very simple statement, but it's a very profound statement. Because emotions, we have been created by God. Genesis 1, we read it. God created men and women. Men and women, God created. And what did it say about how we were created? It said in Genesis 1.27 that we are created in the image of God. The image of God, God created men and women. It says it twice so that you get it. You have been created in the image of God. How did God put us together? In His likeness. Now that's not to say that you are God. You will never be God. You are not a small g God. You are nowhere close to God, but we carry the image of God. Now we're going to be doing a whole series later this year called Imago Day, which is uh, Latin for the image of God because we understand ourselves best when we understand that we have been created to reflect God. And uh, it's going to be an amazing series. I'm pumped about it. One of those weeks we're going to talk about the place of women. So just putting it out there. What does the Bible say about women? I'm going to teach that one because I think it's important that I do. And so we're going to do that, I don't know, somewhere later this year. So just keep coming to church because it's going to be great. I'll tell you when it happens. And um, we've been created in the image of God, in the likeness of God. And do you know something about God? God experiences and expresses emotions. He does. God has emotions. And why I'm stressing this is because someone like me in the life that I've lived as an emotional leper is that I thought that emotions were negative things in general. I prided myself in being extremely even in my temperament because I thought that that was what strength looked like. And I thought that the Bible taught me that I needed to control my emotions so that I would become a mature person. Anyone remember some of these thinking, some of these thoughts? And so I thought that having emotions meant that I was weak and i never appreciated my emotions because i just simply thought that they were things that would just simply distract me and make me weak and when i started to understand that emotions are created by god designed by god in fact god has them it blew my mind in fact if you think about the person of jesus the person of Jesus is the most complete human being you will ever find in all of history and in all of humanity. Jesus stands to us as a model of humanity. And what Jesus—what did Jesus do with emotions? He felt them. And He expressed them. And He utilized them. One of the greatest things about Jesus is that He felt stuff. One of the verses I love, when you look through all of the Gospels, it says time and time again, Jesus saw the people and He felt sympathy. He felt compassion for them. Without His compassion, Jesus probably wouldn't have done half the stuff He did on earth. And then the Bible goes on to say that Jesus was tempted in every way yet without sin. That means temptation cannot happen without emotion. For example, if you hate cats, if you just don't like cats at all, and I'm trying to tempt you by saying, will you cat-sit my cat, you will feel nothing about it. Or maybe not hate cats, but if you don't really like cats, you would just be like, why? Why is this happening? There's no emotional connection to your cat right now. You can talk about it being cute and fluffy. You can talk about it having a personality. I don't see how a cat can have personality. So stop. No, there's no emotional connection there. There is no temptation, therefore, for that to happen. So Jesus was tempted. Why? Because He had emotions. And yet He was without sin. And so we can see that Jesus experienced emotions as part of His human experience. We need to give ourselves permission to experience and to express our emotions. You know, one of the things that I learned last year that that really deeply impacted me is that there is this sense that some emotions are almost poo-pooed in church, shall we say. When someone comes in and they say, I am feeling confused and a little bit doubtful about stuff, suddenly, what are people's responses? Oh, you need to have more faith. Oh, why is your faith so small? Oh, ye of little faith, step out of the boat. I'm like, what boat are you talking about? Your crazy ship has already sailed. I do not want any part. But you know what I mean? There's that certain sense that there are certain things in churches that we stop people from talking about. And can I even say that there are some emotions that probably carry negative connotations that we might need to become more comfortable in expressing. For example, it is shown that if you are struggling with lust, it is better for you to talk with someone about it so that you can get it out in the open in order to manage it better. But in churches, the moment someone says, I am struggling with lust, oh my gosh, you better be washed with the blood of the Lamb. Why are you still so sinful? Oh my God. You understand what i mean can we be a church where emotions don't scare us where emotions are not something that we're not allowed to talk about where when we are struggling we are able to say hey i'm struggling there's a little bit of anxiety around this issue there's a bit of worry around this issue i'm a little bit sad that my pet dog died or something it's okay let us let us honor and respect what god has created and that is our emotions but number two we cannot just stop at emotions are created by god we need to continue emotions have a function see god is an amazing creator right and when he created our bodies he created it with an amazing amount of systems that interlock and and work together so that we function the moment one of those systems are out of whack and are not functioning well the rest of your body struggles, even to the point where, I read this somewhere, where you have problems with your teeth, you can get headaches, you can get all sorts of other issues, just because your tooth is out of whack. And in the same way, God created emotions to have a place in our life. And this is where I'm going to get into a little bit of psychology here, because it's helped me to understand the function of emotions there is this neurobiologist and his name was antonio Damasio. you need to know this guy's name because i will quiz you about it later no you do not doesn't remember he was a neurobiologist this was quite a long time ago and he had a patient and this patient's name was elliot elliot was a very successful business person but elliot had developed a brain tumor i was going to say a brain tumor in his brain but that kind of makes sense a brain tumor in his foot, and uh, so Elliot had a brain tumor, and he went for surgery, and they managed to remove the tumor, but the doctors accidentally did something. They severed the link between his frontal lobe and his amygdala, and the amygdala. In your, this is what your brain kind of looks like. This is what your brain looks like. This, a fist with a hand over it. That's literally what your brain kind of looks like. That guy is supposed to be Antonio Damasio. In the picture the old man as all scientists are and um and and what happened was the amygdala is the emotional center of the brain and then you have this prefrontal cortex or the cortex and that's where your thinking happens that's where your logic happens what happened was that for elliot the link between these two parts of his brain was severed so they were no longer in communication with one another A little bit later they didn't really know what had happened until a bit later but they realized when they were speaking to Elliot that he had no concept of his emotions and so they asked him to recount a particularly traumatic experience that he had gone through and the way that he discussed it was as though he was observing someone from the outside there was no emotional connection to this traumatic experience there was just nothing there he said this is what happened this is the time that it happened this was the weather for the day this is all the steps but he did not personally say stuff like i felt this or or have any emotional uh, uh, uh cues that were going on he just was unemotional and so they, they they like okay cool this guy actually doesn't experience emotions anymore elliot went back to work and this is where problems started Because Elliot was a successful business person pre-operation. But post-operation, they found that Elliot was a terrible business person. And the reason for this was quite surprising to me. The reason for this is not because his intellect was affected, because he could still recount facts, he could still recount figures, he could still logically understand things. But the thing that was no longer functioning in Elliot was the ability to make decisions. Interesting, isn't it? And, and a particular example that they gave was um, Damasio went to meet with Elliot and he said, Hey, Elliot, uh, I'm free on this day and this day at this time and this time. Which one would you be free or which one would you be available to, to catch up on? And Damasio, uh, sorry, Elliot was able to list and this is what he did he listed the pros and cons for each of those meeting times but he did not make a decision he could not make a decision can you imagine that he's like well this time is good for this and this but not so good for that this one's good for this and this but not so good for that I don't know I cannot make a decision What happened for Elliot is that he was no longer in touch with his emotions and he was therefore unable to make decisions in his life. God has created us with emotions and in particular a key part of our emotions is to give us a link. This is what psychology is showing us now, is to give us a link to our values and what is important to us and that those values they do not have to be deep values they do not have to be amazingly complex values they just simply have to be what is important to us and what we want to pay attention to so elliot was unable to make a decision because he did not know what to focus on and so logically speaking because there was an equal amount of pros and cons on both sides he was unable to state a preference there was no attention that he was able to give to either one because he had no emotions so God has created our emotions and He's created our emotions with a function and that function is to give us a link to our values and to what we hold as important. Make sense so far? And so out of these values, we make decisions. When we don't know what we value, we are unable to make decisions. Are you following me so far? Can you start to see why God created us with emotions. Our emotions are a shortcut. It is a, um, it is a way for us to process all the information in the world that we are seeing and experiencing and feeling 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Our emotions is a filter so that we can actually function in our lives. That is what God has created us with emotions for. But we need to understand that these emotions And these uh, um, values that our emotions are linking and drawing up for us are not necessarily the properly most important thing for us. As much as emotions are important to us because they show us our values, they don't necessarily show us what is truly important. Why do I say that? Let me just draw another little diagram for you. Sorry, he's making a sound. That's me. For you, it can be you. And for us, how we operate is that our emotions give us information that comes from our values. Make sense? These values, where do they come from? These values come from your experience, what you have encountered. That's basically it. That's how those values are formed. And that's why, and we've mentioned this before, that is why when you are a child, even without physical memories, you still have things that you react to emotionally because they were encoded into your emotions so if you were a two year old and you were attacked by a dog you can still be fearful of a dog 10 15 years later if it's undealt with because the value for you is that dogs are dangerous i value my life i will run away from dogs that's simply what it is but that is not all that we are it's amazing isn't it if we were just solely emotions then then that makes things very clear and easy. But what happens is that we don't just have our emotions, we have something called thoughts. We have our intellect. And those two parts are working together to form who I am. And the interesting thing is that these also need to interact with one another because what happens is that oftentimes there are more than one value that your emotions can draw on. Does that make sense? For example, I did not think about this, so I do not have an example on top of my head. I'm trying to think of one rapidly, and it's not working. Someone help me. When is some time that you have... Okay, yes, awesome. When I see fried chicken, I greatly value fried chicken. I love fried chicken, and my emotions are, are intrigued by these fried chicken that I see. At the same time, I've got another value, and that is, I want to live a full life. I do not want to live a fat life. And so I have these conflicting values that are flooding into my emotions, and my thoughts help to filter them through and work out what I am, who I am. Am I a fat person, or am I a fit person? Making it super simplistic, if you like fried chicken, eat it all the time. I'm not making any value judgment whatsoever. Alright? So this is a place of emotions in our life. It works at this level. Now I want to give you the third thing about emotions and then we're going to really get into some interesting stuff today. There is a purpose to our emotions. And when there's something has a function, it always has an end product. Does that make sense? And so what is the end product of emotions? The end product of our emotions is behaviours. okay this is a diagram that you want to remember because this helps you understand who you are there there was a person that i um that i was mentoring for a while and uh, we we were having this discussion about emotions at that time i was still an emotional leper and i really could not understand him but right now i can kind of understand where he's coming from but this guy was saying that he can only make decisions behaviors out of his emotions I asked him whether he thinks about it. He said, no, I don't think about it. I was like, no, no, I, I just follow my gut feeling and what I think I should, uh, what I feel I should do. And that's how he behaved. He had equated emotions with himself. This is where he put his emotions in the me part of this diagram, not in a feeder part of this diagram. And, and I asked him this, and we were actually catching up because he had just made a really stupid decision in his life. And so I was asking him, do you realize that these... Um, Emotional decisions don't always work out. He said, yes, but they work out most of the time, and so I'm happy with it. This part, I was an emotional leper. He was a thought leper. He did not understand that God had given him a brain to think. And therefore, his behaviors were completely linked to emotions, and it was only a portion of him that was being lived out. There are so many of us that because maybe we cut emotions out or we completely rely on emotions, we have behaviors that do not represent us, they only represent a part of us. It is a broken existence. Let me show you this in the Bible because when I found this, I was like, oh, oh this is- good. Ephesians four seventeen to 24 says this. This is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Did you see that They had a darkened understanding and a futility in their thinking because their hearts were hardened. Hold that in mind, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over the sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you have learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by his deceitful desires to be made new in the attitudes of your mind and to put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You start to see a link here. Oh, this is exciting, isn't it? See, Paul started to teach the people in Ephesia, in Ephesus, that their behaviors were not coming from a good place. Their behaviours were actually being linked to all ways of thinking. You see, when each and every single one of us are living our life, we have experiences that are linked to certain things that we hold dear. So, for example, a person that is um, that 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 grew up in an abusive environment growing uh, when, when they were a child they have certain always that they will now gravitate towards psychology has proven this they will have far more defensive behaviors they will become more avoidant they will become uh, they unable to express themselves because of the abuse and that is the old way and so what paul was saying is that because of the old way that was feeding into this they were giving into their emotions solely by their emotions which then led to their behaviors and so you could see that the behaviors were linked to the old ways but what paul was saying is that that is not who you are because through christ we have a third part that is being linked to us and that is called the spirit and the spirit begins to work on our thoughts begin to work on our emotions and our values and so what we need to do is to bring all of this together so that we feed this into me and I make decisions based on this rather than on that. And so when Christ has saved you from your old self, do you remember when you were without Christ? What did you do with anxiety? You just shouldered it and you bared it, you tried to repress it, you tried to get rid of it, right? But with Christ, God is saying that anxiety is able to be filtered through Him, to trust Him. When my value becomes God is my true value, that God is able to bring strength and courage and bring discernment into me, then I'm able to live out of that rather than that. There are some of you that are decided that you are incapable of doing things in your life. And because of that, you have shortchanged yourself because you stopped doing things that will help you to grow. Why did you do that? Because you've always told yourself, You've always been told when you were young that you are incapable of doing anything significant in your life. But the Holy Spirit comes in and says, you're a new creation who's been created by God for a purpose. And so what needs to happen is that I need to deliberately, deliberately filter my emotions through my thoughts so that I recognize the values that I used to hold, that I used to hold. Because when I don't do that, what does Paul say? What does Paul say in Ephesians 4? It says that we become insensitive. It's kind of strange because most people that live out their emotions tend to be the most sensitive, isn't it? But they're only sensitive to a small part of themselves and they become insensitive to everything else about their life. God is trying to bring in us this strength, this newness, this greatness that He has designed you with. But so many of us, myself included, are shortchanging ourselves because of our old ways that are affecting our values, that is then filtering into our emotions, and we are making decisions without consideration of any new thoughts that God is bringing to us. How do I know this is true? Romans 12 verse 2 says this, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. What's the renewal of your mind look like? It looks like being able to spot this and go, you know what? As much as that was my truth, as much as that did affect me, as much as that did happen to me, I'm able to say, I want a new value. I want my value to come from God. I want my value to come from what God is doing in me rather than what happened to me. Some of you... Need to understand there's so much more for you than what you give yourself credit for. But some of you need to understand that you've become insensitive to the Spirit. Ephesians 4 continues to say that because of that, because of their insensitivity, they were given over to the sensuality. There's another word that seems to be talking about feeling, sensuality. But sensuality has only to do with one particular emotion, and that's pleasure. And when you do your research on the emotional pleasure, you will find out that pleasure is one of the most dangerous emotions out there. Because pleasure promises so much but gives you so little. Pleasure tells you that in the moment you'll be satisfied, but satisfied for how long? But satisfied to what extent? Pleasure tells you you'll be satisfied, but doesn't tell you that in the long term you'll be damaged because of this. And so when they became sensual, they were actually living self-destructive, self-destructive behaviors. And God is saying that there's something more for you. You know, I want to I wanna finish off with this story to help possibly bring all of this together. If you take a picture of this now, I don't know whether you're going to remember what's happening. But I do apologize, but I hope that you can kind of understand what I was trying to say here. But um, mid-last year, it started my emotional revolution, my emotional reformation, if you will, in myself. And a part of this, what happened was that I was at um, a Hillsong conference and on the final night, and some of you have heard the story before, think about it and, and listen to it through the lens of emotions and what I was going through, maybe it will help you understand this a bit more. Uh, but, but on the final night, God put on, uh, the, the speaker said this line, he said, some of you have stopped pouring out because of hurt in you. And I was like, no, that's not me. I kind of like, yeah, you know, all these immature people holding on to hurt, you know, in this room, 20,000 strong. It's like, yep, not me. God purposely took that moment and popped someone's head into my mind. And immediately I laughed. Honestly, I was like, haha, what's this all about, God? (laughs) Haha, nice trick. I was like, no, I'm not hurt by this. This is not an issue. And God said, yes, you're hurt. You just don't want to acknowledge it and uh i'm giving you a short version because a lot of this took the next six months for me to process and for me to work through i'm giving you the short version of what i discovered along the way but on that moment as i said okay maybe i am hurt and i opened this up a little bit more to see that there was some stuff on a deep level that had taken place in my life i started to cry and i started to 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 say i i have been hurt that person said and did things to me that wounded me, that spoke to me, that took away from who I thought I was. And it hurt. It sat there. I just didn't want to acknowledge it. I thought I had dealt with it simply by not giving it any attention. But God was saying to me, no, you need to deal with it in a healthy way. You need to bring better through truth, godly truth into it. And this is how He did it. Because he said, you have stopped pouring out and caring for people the way you should, the way that I've designed you to because of that hurt. And over time, I discovered that it wasn't just this one person that has stopped me from caring for other people. There was actually a series of people that I had cared for over my journey. um, And I I had seen that many of them actually didn't get very far in their life. I saw that maybe... I'm not that good at helping people. And because caring for them hurt. Because caring for them and pouring into people that make their own choices and live their own life, it hurt. I, I had developed this way and this value of like, if they really want it, they will come to me. If they really want me to help them, they will be the one that is proactive in this. And so that was the kind of value I was living out. I had pulled myself back from caring and loving people the way that God had designed me to because of that. And so what God told me to do, and I say this with permission, but God put on my heart to adopt Robin as my daughter. And he said this, and this was probably like 10, 30, Probably closer to midnight, Friday night, after a whole week of conference, and I was like, "This is probably just bad me that I just had," because why would she want this, and what the heck am I supposed to do? That was my kind of thinking, but it was still there the next day, and so I went back in the morning, and I was like, "Back, God's put something on my heart." He said, "Then I'm hurt," and I started crying again. And I was like, "Crap, this old stuff." Why does it take so long to deal with, number one? And I said, and God's telling me that I need to uh, be more active in Robin's life, which is something up here, isn't it? And, and, and so God put that on my heart. And amazingly to me, Bex said, you know, God actually told me this yesterday. And I was like, oh, why are you setting me up, God? And so I had to change my behavior. Where I had previously helped people away, I was now like, okay, I'm bringing you right in. Yep. So I spoke with Robin. So this was with Beck's permission. And now I needed Robin's permission for this to work. And I said, Robin, do you want this? It will, and she said, yes. Which again was like, this must be God. It must be God. But let me tell you what happened from there. What happened from there was a realization that my emotions were not dangerous. But they're actually super useful. They were designed by God for something. See, when Robin said yes... God graced me to be her dad, in a, not, not, in a, not in a physical dad way because that doesn't work, but in a, in a more emotional, in a more um, mentoring, more coaching-type way, a spiritual way. But what happened was that when I chose to do what God had put on my heart to do, even though my emotions were not quite there yet, God changed these things. And I started to get what I can only describe as dad emotions out of a value of i really care for robin now and this is scary how much i care and these emotions were now coming out and 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 it was like the dam had broken where i did not understand emotions suddenly there were these emotions and i started to think why does no dad ever talk about their emotions why do we not talk about dad emotions in church Because there's a whole bunch of guys that think that being strong means to suppress their emotions when in reality, God has given us emotions for a specific reason. Over the next six to nine, well, however long it is now, there are moments where I suddenly get deep worry for Robin. It's in the middle of the day and I'm going about my life. My life. My detached, personal life. And suddenly there's this worry, this dark worry that is in my soul. And I'm like, what the heck is this? And I start to pray. I start to bring it to God. I start to bring all of me into this process. And I discover that God's telling me, you need to pray for your daughter. And I'll pray for her. Sometimes God gives me a word. And I'll send it to Robin. I'll say, God's put this on my heart. I remember at least three or four occasions where Robin tells me that that was exactly what she needed in that moment. We were miles away. We were not in the same room. I had not seen a face. But God used my emotions to make me pay attention to something of value so that I could do something. But I wasn't just emotional. I brought all of me into this process. That started to make me think that maybe emotions are not meant to be feared, but they're meant to be used as a guide. They're meant to be used as something that we can filter our thoughts what is truth for us and ultimately how we behave some of us are behaving like immature children because you're still stuck in the old ways but God is wanting to bring us something new and bring us new life and it comes through us allowing him to bring new truth to us I am nowhere near complete I am nowhere near done on this journey. There's still so much that is going on. There's still so much that I don't understand. But let me tell you something. Being in touch with my feelings in a healthy way has allowed me to experience great life. Has it has allowed me to live and to care for people at a level that I could never thought that I would be able to. And then it was interesting because a a few months later, I looked through one of my old journals and I saw that at the age of 22, God put on my heart that you would be a father to many people. You'll be a father. And I was like, how could I have been so detached from people when that was always something that was on my heart? It's because I got scared. I got scared of people. Because people sometimes make very stupid decisions and they say things that hurt. And so I decided to protect myself. But I know that God was saying something different to me. And I needed to listen. Let me give you one final thing about what happens through that journey. I started to see, wow, I've got all these emotions and it's crazy. and it's, it's After a while, after, after about two, three months of processing, I'm a bit slow in this regard. But after... A, two, three months of processing, I started to go like, hey, I'm actually enjoying this. And after a while, Beck started to go like, I'm enjoying this because I'm actually understanding you a lot more because you actually have emotions now. And I'm like, oh, awesome. This is a good thing. Everyone wins. And, um, and I was like, wow, this is actually awesome that I can feel these emotions and not feel bad about myself. Isn't that cool? I can feel and not think that I'm weak. I can feel and decide through those feelings. And I'm learning to do that a lot more. And, 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 and it's helped me to love people better. It's helped me to open up myself a lot more. But one of the things that I started to see is that God created this in me and it reflects what's happening in Him. And the moments and the times of deep worry, of deep care, of deep concern for Robin, and sometimes I would pray And God says, I know what that feels like. In fact, I feel a lot more than you do. Because I love Robin a lot more than you do. And after a while, I started to discover that God was trying to say something to me. He says, I love you a lot more than you know. I love you a lot more than you realize. When we divorce God from His feelings, we stop understanding His love for us. When we divorce God from being able to feel care, concern, and worry for you, you stop thinking about Him in the way that He truly cares for you. But let me tell you, if there's anything I have learned from this journey, is that God is very much in touch with His feelings. God very much cares for you. He's probably consumed with thinking about you day and night. Because there are moments where I'm like, why am I thinking about Robin again? There's more work to be done. But God's like, well, you're dad now. This is what it's going to be like. And I'm like, oh my gosh, needing to be responsible for someone else is a lot of work. And God's like, tell me about it. i got six billion kids. And I'm like, you're crazy, God. Why would you want this? But that is the kind of journey that God is on and takes us on. God has no need for you. He just wants you. In a a very callous way, I don't mean it in this way at all, but I don't need Robin. My life was a lot less complicated without another girl in my life. Just putting it out there. But I want Robin to be in my life. In the same way, God doesn't need you. So stop trying to win His approval. Stop trying to tell Him whether to care for you or not. And just let Him care. Just let Him be. Robin doesn't ask me to care. I think sometimes I overcare. Do I? I don't know. You can ask, she's not going to say anything right now. But you can ask her. Don't ask her, she'll get annoyed with me. But sometimes I'm driven to do things that might be a bit over, I don't know. but Isn't that what God does to us? If we can get the band up this morning, we can move this whiteboard away. I hope that there's something in there that you can understand a bit deeper. One, God created us to have emotions. Emotions have a function It directs our behaviors. I hope you understand the complexity and all the stuff that needs to interact in creating behaviors in us. But this morning before you go home and you think about anything else, how is your relationship with God? Do you let Him care for you? Do you understand that God has this deep desire to be with you? I read about this a little while ago, and there's a picture that was drawn, that was painted by one of the famous painters of the past, and he was trying to depict Jesus at the door of your heart. In Revelations, it talks about how Jesus stands at the heart door of your heart, and he knocks, waiting to be invited in. But there was one thing about that door that this painter did that was a bit interesting. You see, where Jesus was standing at the door of his heart, there was no doorknob. The painter had deliberately not put a doorknob on this door. Because he was trying to depict the thought that Jesus stands at the door that he doesn't open, but it is open for him. Jesus stands at the door of your heart and knocks. Whether you want him to or not, whether you let him in or not, Jesus still stands at that door. And He continues to not. He did that when He went on to the cross. He took away all sin, anything that separates you from His love. And that was Him knocking at the door and saying, I want to be in relationship with you. Some of us just don't want to for whatever reason. Some of us have allowed our old ways of dictating how God is allowed to behave around us. When the truth is the healthiest way for us to live is to allow God to be God, and for us to simply be His children. For some of you, this is going to be a leap of faith because to be God's child might be something that you're not used to and not comfortable with. But the more I've seen what God is doing in me towards my daughter, the more I see what He already does toward me as His son. He is safe. He's caring. He is love. I can trust Him, and I can allow him to love me. And the more I've gone on this journey, and the more I allow God to love me, the more I feel life coming into me. And the Bible says that the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, all of that kind of stuff. What is it saying is that the Spirit is coming in and is teaching us new values in order that we can access all of that stuff. If you truly want to love, if you truly want life, you need the Spirit in you, bringing new truth, bringing new life into you. I want to lead you into a prayer this morning. If you want to invite Jesus in as your Lord and your Savior. Everyone, if you can just help me out by just closing your eyes for a moment so that no one's looking around and just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I invite you into my heart. I know you've been standing at the door. I know you've been knocking. And I want to let you in. Be my Lord and my Savior. Be my dad. Love me. I allow you in. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lift, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.